What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Bristol Youth Work Podcast. I'm Mike Wayne, and we're brought to you, as always, in partnership with Bristol Youth Ministry Network and Muller's Bristol. It's been a minute. I hope you're all well. Podcast is back for another run of episodes. This time, we're going to be taking a deep dive into some of the issues that both define and divide our society, looking at how they affect our young people and our youth work. We're starting off with this special episode recorded at the Bristol Youth Ministry Network Masterclass back in June with Dot Tyler from Tear Fund. Dot was a great guest. She had a great conversation with Joel, looking particularly at climate change, climate justice and young people, sharing a bit about a piece of research that Tear Fund had just released called Burning Down the House, how the church could lose young people over climate inaction. She's looking at the perspectives of young Christians on climate change and how churches should be responding to them. Really fascinating conversation, loads of great wisdom and insights shared by Dot. And this is an issue which is particularly relevant at the moment with the COP26 summit coming up at the end of the month. Uh, the church is in a place where it's starting to have more and more conversation about climate change and climate justice. So sit back and enjoy Dot Tyler from Tear Fund sharing about climate justice, young people and the church. My name's Dot, I live in Cardiff. I've got um, a young family, a uh, um, five-year-old and a two-year-old, two boys. Um, life is really hectic and manic, but I love it. <laughs> um, and I've been at Tear Fund nearly 10 years, which maybe tells you a little bit also how old I am. Um, but yes, um, also hopefully shares with you a bit of when you find a vision and something that is really in line with your passion stick around until god asks you to leave <laughs> that's great yeah that's great and so what what does that role look like then at tfn that you was it and have you been in that role for 10 years or has it been different roles across that time great question so i've always been in the youth team um but in different roles in the youth space um so the role looks like um I guess our vision is to see young people equipped to live transformed lives in, um, in contact with their global neighbours who believe a young generation can end extreme, uh, end extreme poverty, which sounds like such a ridiculous, audacious dream, but we kind of believe that it's, it's important to the Lord as well. And I'm talking to a bunch of youth workers, so I know I'm safe to say that um, a bit like Huey, um, Huey Newton said, revolution always comes at the hands of the young. And isn't that part of why we love to do youth work? If we want to see significant, sizable change in the area of extreme poverty, it will be at the hands of the young. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm on board. I'm with you on that one. That sounds good. Um, and so what does your, your role look like then um, within that, that vision? Mm -hmm. So first off, I lead an incredible team of deeply talented uh, individuals. Um, so things like um, creating a YouTube channel and social media stuff and loads of digital spaces where we want to be in the pockets of young people, literally, because we're on their phone, um, in the pockets of young people, influencing their everyday lives. A bit like Romans 12, take your everyday ordinary life and place it before God as an offering. And we hopefully uh, inspire them to make different sustainable choices in their lifestyles, to read the Bible, understanding that justice is a key narrative in the scripture, to sign petitions, to talk to government, to fundraise, um, and also mostly is to be informed, 
because this is a generation who once they are informed about what's going on in the world, they care passionately. Like this sounds really tooty falooty, but I believe that God has put something in the imaginations of this young generation around global justice. So when they, when they, when they find out what's going on, you don't have to convince them that it's a biblical issue. Like they know. Um, so it's not a matter of convincing, it's bringing awareness and then helping them do something about it. So that's what we actually do. So that looks like fundraisers, petitions, prayer, helping people decide a bamboo toothbrush maybe is worth a try, <laughs> that kind of thing. Nice, nice, that's good. And uh, personally, I've never heard the phrase tutti falluti, so that's totally gonna be in my, in, yeah, in my phraseology going forward, I like that. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so it'd be good to have I mean, a little bit more than in terms of... <laughs> You're so welcome to it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, in terms of kind of motivation then, because you say you've been with Tayfan for 10 years, um, particularly over this last 18 months, I assume not much face-to-face uh, -face frontline stuff compared to what might normally be happening. How do you stay motivated? How do you keep going? Yeah. That's, that's a quality question. Interestingly, I think in COVID, times I have done more face-to-face -face, aka screen to screen um one-to-one -one youth work than I've ever done before in my life um and there are I mean that's harder but the thing that keeps me motivated is two things number one is um so I mentor a whole bunch of young people who are passionate about justice and want to understand what that looks like in their lives and you watch them in the course of only six weeks go from I don't know anything, I'm just tiny me in my tiny bit of the world to six weeks later going, no, because you know what? Like the Lord has ordained change to happen in the world and I can be part of that. And I think when you see transformation like that, you can't help but go, the work we do really matters. And when I say we, I mean, we as youth workers, like whatever kind of youth work we're in, when we see transformation like that in the lives of young people, it keeps us going. And then for me personally, like 10 years is a long time. Um, it's, it's really wedded to my personal story. So I became a Christian, not within the context of a Christian family. Um, my friend invited me to church. Hallelujah, praise the Lord for young people who invite their friends to church, because <laughs> I am living testimony that that works. Um, invited me to church and I heard the gospel. I heard it. Um, that I had brought shame and needed to be right with God and could have eternal life. And I was like, yes, tick, I'll have that. Um, and I became, I mean, if you're in real life, you would definitely get this vibe from me. I became the keenest person in the youth group. I literally sat at the front of church with my notebook and my pen on the front row next to the preacher. How embarrassing. <laughs> but it wasn't until I was 22 that somebody explained to me that you cannot call yourself a follower of Jesus if you do not follow where he goes. And in the scripture, where does Jesus relentlessly and purposefully go? He goes to the margins, to those who are outcasted in society, to the poor, the, to the broken. In fact, his mandate is my, my, the spirit is upon me to bring good news to the poor. That is not metaphorical poor. <laughs> it is literal material poverty, emotional poverty, spiritual poverty, the whole package. Um, and I don't want anybody else to spend six years of following Jesus and then realise I followed a really small Jesus. <laughs> I want to invite young people to a big, expansive adventure with the Lord. <laughs> so good. So good. Brilliant. 
And so, I, I, in terms of what that might look like recently, then the I know tier funding cells have been kind of focusing on on research um, around that, around kind of you know, yeah, taking that big picture vision, which I'm totally on board with, and a little bit more practically around the burning down the house research. Why? Well, first of all, what is that, <laughs> and why mm. would you want to do that? Great. Yes. Um, so we did this research last year. And um, I guess to answer the question that a few of us in the team were feeling like there's a there's pockets of young people who really care about care for creation. But their words to us were along the lines of we struggle to find ourselves at home in church because our church doesn't talk about this. And the only way I can describe it is to go. We just wanted to find out if this was keen beans or if this was like across the board a generational thing that was happening um because we knew that in youth culture there is a massive move towards climate engagement we wanted to see if that was the same in the church um and what we found was yes it is definitely the same in the church but interestingly some of the distinctions are things like the first thing when you ask them why they care the first thing they say is not because my friends care and not because of Greta Thunberg and not because I wanted to skip school on a Friday to go to some climate strikes, though I'm pretty sure that will have been appealing. <laughs> Their first answer when we asked, why do you care about this, was things like they would quote to us Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And they would quote to us, God says, love God and love others. We can't love others when the climate crisis is ruining people's lives. I was like... I need to step aside, you can all have my job. <laughs> so young people then are obviously naturally engaged with, with this, about, or whether they be of Christian faith or otherwise. Why do you think that is? What is it about this coming generation that is already, it seems almost by default, kind of plugged into matters of justice and you know, climate action? Mm, great question. Um, so I think some of it will be around um, what we see in every generation is a generation will rebel. Um, I say that in inverted commas against the generation before. Um, and I think some of that is this. So the generation before didn't have such a grasp on climate conversation. It wasn't actually until the mid 2000s that it became more normal to believe that climate change is real than for you to be a weirdo. Um, I mean, that happened in my, in, in my lifetime. It went from being, are you weird? To, of course, of course, this is real. Um, so I think there's a bit of a generational habit that happens there. I think, as I said earlier, I wonder if we've got a bit of a, um, image of the Lord on a generation. So you see that through the scriptures, that the image, like the purposes and plans of the Lord lie on a generation for a certain calling. So the Moses generation had a calling, the Nehemiah generation had a calling. You take that into more modern times, the Wilberforce generation had a calling. And I wonder if this generation has a similar calling towards, we have forgotten that an imperative in the gospel and biblical mandate is care for creation. We've managed to create a way of talking to the gospel and not including it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's deep, isn't it? And to think that if, if there are... 
<laughs> no, that's that's great, and particularly if young people are taking the lead on. That. I mean, I'm totally preaching to the choir, here, aren't I? But in terms of empowering them for that, with such a yeah, a heart that they have for, and and a biblical foundation for that is just going to be a really key a key thing that we can do as youth workers, isn't it? So that's yeah, that's great to hear. But what what were some of your findings then from the research? Sorry, sorry, Doc, if you want to say more, but I was going to ask as well. What what are some of the key findings from the research that that you did? Yeah, so I think. Um, just to say on the um, environment conversation, I wonder if another um, thing that's appealing for young people about climate uh, justice is it's an area of justice that they can literally get their hands on. There's so much injustice that we can sign petitions about and that feels really far away. And we pray knowing that God hears our prayers, but it feels really far away. Whereas the climate crisis, I make a difference in my everyday life. And it's a, it's a really empowering um, invitation for young people to tangibly make a difference. Um, key findings of the research, three things. So number one um, was that they are moved by faith. I talked about that a little earlier. So this isn't um, bandwagon jumping. It isn't a cultural moment that's just distinct for society. It's actually really biblically rooted for them, um, which also makes me say well done youth workers because somewhere, somewhere along the way, a youth worker or a parent or a church leader will have opened Psalm 24 and a young person will have gone, aha. Um, so they're moved by faith. There is a gap between what they are reading about in the scripture, what they are learning about in school, because don't forget, all our young people are in schools learning about the climate crisis and learning that it's really important and it really matters. And then they're coming to church and they're not hearing this also matter the lord so the gap is real um the the leading statistic i guess is that nine out of ten young christian teenagers surveyed said that they care about the climate crisis only one in ten think their church is doing enough wow. that is a really hard statistic and i don't share it to be discouraging because i love the church but i do share it as a perhaps there's more we could do and then the third thing we found was that they asked really explicitly, please lead. And they said this within two frameworks, please, you as youth workers, I count myself in this, me as a youth worker, um, church leaders, please will you lead? And it was really interesting. They didn't say, please get it right. Please know everything. Mm. Because I wonder if that's one of our biggest struggles as youth workers when it comes to the climate crisis and conversation about it. There's so much to understand that you just go how can I possibly understand all of that therefore can't teach about it they didn't ask for us to know everything they asked us to go on a journey of understanding with them and I wonder if it's an opportunity to actually be taught by our young people so that we create a really equitable space in our youth groups for intergenerational learning and mm. um, so they said please lead and then um one of the one of the questions we said if you could say anything to it to leaders what would you say and one of them said um we'd like you to lead in this area but if you don't then we will <laughs> <laughs> which i absolutely adored um which brings me on to the how can we find ways to say yes to incubate ideas for young people because once they know about the climate crisis they don't struggle to want to do something about it 
they struggle to know how and to find spaces that say yes. So for us as youth workers, how do we make space for that? That's so encouraging and challenging all at the same time, isn't it? Because how one thing I find with young people is that when we when try and give them information, they've got that already, haven't they? That everything like in, you know they're drowning in information. That's not a thing that they need. But what I'm one of the things I'm hearing you say there as well is that in terms of they they are looking for an experience of being led, um, and so they can journey more and understand more. They're looking for um, action. Not so not just information on climate change, not just information on what the Bible says, because it sounds like they're kind of there already, either through the Bible or school, but they're looking for that participation, they're looking for that engagement, they're looking for that, like you say, leadership. That's, yeah, mm. that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing, sharing those things. So you say then nine in 10 young Christians care about it, one in 10 think the church is doing something about it. Why is that? What are the obstacles? What are the challenges for us within that? I've given a lot of thought to this question and um, spoken to a lot of youth leaders and church leaders. And the thing that comes up the most, um, the two things, one is feeling underinformed ourselves as leaders to talk about it. Um, and then the second thing is there are so many priorities for youth workers or things that we need to talk to our young people about particularly in the last year, you're going, right, I need to make sure we are talking about mental health. We need to make sure we are doing biblical discipleship principles, like getting biblical, like reading your Bible, prayer. We still need to talk about, about sex and relationships because of course they're breaking the rules and still going off and, you know, doing things we'd rather not know about. <laughs> and I think there's so many priorities for youth workers that the conversation about climate somehow keeps slipping down and what, one of my wonderings and it is just a wondering is that because we have compartmentalized the spiritual life of young people into mental health reading your bible prayer sex and relationships whatever else it might be racial justice climate justice da, da, da. because we've separated them we have to feel we feel like we have to choose but actually eco-anxiety is a real thing in the context of mental health. Like anxiety over climate and creation and other is on the rise in the UK among young people. Equally, if we want to talk to our young people about race, we cannot not talk about the climate crisis because it is disproportionately impacting our black and brown brothers and sisters. And so I wonder if our compartmentalized approach to youth work, which we all do it, <laughs> but I don't know if it serves us as well as it could if instead we talked about the intersectionality of all of these things that's good that's good and that sort of answers the next question I, I had really but maybe I'm gonna ask it anyway in case there's more you can say around so so what, what would you say to a youth worker who is um who would who agrees that it's important but would say actually do you know what men were and humans were put on the earth um to yes to kind of rule over it and subdue it but the priority is is people um we need to be preaching the gospel above talking about this we need to be getting engaged in our community more more than about this and whilst we shouldn't be ignoring it do you know what it's not a priority what what would you say to someone who might have that 
mindset? I mean, Joel, how long have you got? Because this is my favorite, <laughs> favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> um, so one of the things I'd start off with is um, we asked young people, how many of your friends also care about the climate crisis? And 98% of them said that they have got friends who also care about this. And I think this goes back to what I was saying about we have compartmentalized something that young people have not compartmentalized. If we can teach young people to talk about the full story of God, because the reality is that if we try and do mission without justice, we're following a small Jesus because Jesus never did that. He never separated them. But if we can teach our young people within the context of taking action on the climate crisis to be clear why they're compelled to do it. I can't remember where that verse is, but it says the love of God compels me. Like, If we can teach them to be articulate about that, we are equipping and discipling our young people with a really, it's called, what called a holistic view of the gospel. Um, and I think we could take loads of stories of Jesus and look where he actively looks at the whole person not just their spiritual relationship. We are designed in relationship with others, designed to have a relationship with creation. We see that right back in Eden. Um, and you look at when Jesus um, talks the man lowered through the roof and he says, your sins are forgiven, now get up and walk. Because in the ministry of Jesus, he never chooses between evangelism and justice. It's fascinating, but we have. And like the word sozo that we we take and we've put it in loads of spaces to talk about the mission of God. That word actually means healing. And it is one of the words also most used when talking about um, the new creation and the creation being healed. I'm like, wow, we've made that word just for humankind. But actually God attributed that word to all of creation. Um, a bit like as well, sorry, one more thing, and then I will stop on this topic. <laughs> um, the other thing that um, was an absolute light bulb moment for me personally was reading in Genesis um, and, find, and discovering two things. So one is um, we read Genesis and when it says, and uh, God made Adam and God made Eve and he looked at all he had made and said it was very good. I had grown up with a theology that attributed very good to humankind only as the pinnacle of creation. And there's that joke, isn't it? That like terrible Christian joke that God made Adam and it was good. And then he made Eve and women and it was very good. Um, I'm not making any comment about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it tells us something about that because actually what the scripture says is he looked at all he had made. Creation, the planet the cosmos the solar system and he said it was very good but in our western individualistic culture we've attributed that just to me and you um yeah, yeah. i mean i could say loads i could talk about john three sixteen, where it says god so loved the world and actually that word that word in the original text doesn't just mean world as in what we call world it actually means cosmos for god so loved the cosmos that he gave his one and only son. And if that's what the Bible says, for God so loved the cosmos, then I am not more important than the planet. I am alongside the planet and God didn't give me dominion. That is not a good translation of that word. God gave me caretaking responsibilities of creation. 
Jill, you've got me on my favourite topic. You need to make me stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's great to hear it. Thank you so much for sharing. You can tell you're passionate about it. And it's, yeah, it's really, really good. Um, so if I, I, I want to kind of build on that and take talk a bit more practically then in terms of what are, what are some of the opportunities, you know, practically for us as, as youth workers and churches to kind of engage with this well. I mean, I know, you know, the G7 is being based in the southwest in the near future, kind of what, what are some practicalities that we might be able to get involved with or do? Yes. So first thing, um, find ways for you to be informed and your young people to be informed. So whether that is that you, I mean, cheeky plug, but you follow us on social media at We Are Tear Fund. We try really hard to help people be informed, but also places like the BBC News, The Guardian, like be informed about what's going on. Um, find first that's the first thing find ways to talk to your young people about it so if you need session guides or things like that I'm really happy to send you stuff but thirdly make sure that when you talk about this you give people opportunity to do something because it's that um praxis practice thing isn't it you can hear something but it isn't until you do something that you realize it matters and it goes round and round and round and round um, so the G7, I don't know how much you know um, about that, but it's coming to the Southwest. In fact, people have started arriving yesterday evening. Um, so Joe Biden's on his way. It's basically 10 of um, the world's leaders that represent 60% of the population of the world. And they're gathered together this weekend on your patch. What? Um, to talk about what does it look like to recover after COVID? to create a green and fairer global economy. Um, and we met with a group of six young people in Cornwall who have written an open letter um, to the G7 and are trying to get loads of signatures and people involved. And so again, if I can ask your help, if you could get your young people to sign this letter because it's being handed in this weekend to the G7 and we'll be handed it in again. Oh, Mike, you spoil me. Thanks for doing that. He's on it. He's <laughs> um, on it. <laughs> and, it <laughs> and it'll be handed in again at the COP conference, the Climate and um, Global Conference in November. Um, but the reason that I ask you to do this is unashamedly because this is created by young people. It is entirely their words. And because it will literally be handed into the hands of these 10 world leaders. It's been translated into their um, mother tongue, their original language. Um, yeah, I mean, Boris Johnson already knows about it, already has read it, is talking to his co-world leaders about it. I'm going, I had no idea that our little tiny petition would honestly be read by 10 of the world's leaders. Like Joe Biden's going to read this letter. <laughs> I don't know how to understand this. Um, but for it to carry influence, as we know, politicians are moved by the strength of the wind. And so we've all got to like waft our paper in the direction. So if you can get signatures, we'd be really grateful. Brilliant. That, that's a really practical answer to my practical question. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it is. Good. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's but, good. Um, if you want some resources and some ways to help your young people, because your young people will be on such a different journey. Some people will have picked this up in school and gone, oh, I'm really excited about it. Some people will have picked it up in school and hate school, so hate thinking about it. And so my, my advice is, as I said, be informed, but create spaces where you open the Bible together and you go to passages and you work out what does that look like within the context we find ourselves today, where 
um, I mean, a colleague in Uganda was saying that the climate crisis is bullying the most vulnerable people we work with. Mm. And I was like, that is a phrase that young people would understand. The idea of something bullying people, I was like, stealing that, I'm gonna use it everywhere. Um, and give them opportunities to do something. Even if it's not the open letter, you don't have to do that, but find something. Um, and find ways for them to tell the church what's going on. Because the other thing I adore is when churches become climate conscious churches because their young people have, I, I was gonna say drag them kicking and screaming, but you could also say influence them really positively to love and adore Jesus in this way. <laughs> Nice. Two sides of a coin there, we could argue, maybe. I don't know. We'll think about that another time, but that's good. Um, so you say, so nine out of ten young people uh, you know, are, are care about this, this topic. That means one out of ten may not care as strongly. What would you say to youth leaders who, you know, for those young people that they are working with, who would be those one out of ten who are maybe apathetic or don't understand or what have you? And maybe what would you say to those youth leaders who think they've got a whole youth group of those one out of ten people? Um, yeah, who are a bit apathetic towards mm -hmm. this issue? Um, that's a really good question. So um, I would recommend, and this is only a recommendation, you know your groups far better than me, but I would work out whether that apathy comes from genuine, I know I am informed, I know what's going on, and I don't care. At which point, if that's the case, they are informed, they understand that it's a biblical... Um, mandate on the people of God and they still don't care my advice to you would be always stories because what moves the heart of humankind is the Holy Spirit and stories of people and um, if ever you're looking for stories of where to quote Hannington again the climate crisis is bullying the most vulnerable in society please go to the website we are org. we've got loads of stories there um, but use stories in your Bible studies to say, oh, that's really interesting. So we've got um, a woman at the well here. Interesting that that still happens today. And um, help people draw the connection between what they're reading in the Bible and what's happening in the world. Um, if what we find is that one in 10, a portion of that one in 10 is actually that they just don't know because they tuned out in school. Because let's be honest, we've all done that. Um, it would be, as I said before, find really creative ways to be informed. So whether that is using some of the YouTube videos we use, if your group is a bit older, doing some of the podcasts, um, but find ways to, and do it together because that's one of the things that came out, as I mentioned, they're not asking for you to be the expert. They're asking for you to create a space where everybody can learn together. Brilliant. Thank you so much. So much wisdom and great advice in there, Dot. Thank you. It's, it's great to hear. And I want to offer a chance for people to ask questions, like I mentioned before. We'll, um, so I do, I do have one question from me, though, while we're waiting for other people's questions to come in, Dot. Um, what would you give us as an encouragement as youth workers of Bristol? But then also, what challenge would you offer for us as well? Oh, my encouragement is... Um... I spent a little while in youth work. This has probably been the hardest year to do youth work. So if you've managed to get through this year, you are an outstanding and exceptional youth worker. Well done. Um, and I guess that, uh, where does it say that? Um, 
do not give up doing good. What? Where's that verse? Do you know what I mean? Do not give up doing good for it is someone more. Anyway, I find that verse at some point and, and uh, <laughs> that would be what I'd love to share. Um, and then my challenge would be, I guess how, please think really strategically um, about how we invite people to have a big view of the gospel. Um, that's more than four points. Four points is brilliant, but it is not the full gospel and it is not the big Jesus that we read in the Bible. And I think unless we are strategic, unless we write it into our plans, we default to what we know best and what we know best because of the context we were raised in is perhaps a smaller Jesus. <laughs> that's good. That is a real challenge, isn't it? That's, that's really good. Thank you. I've had a question come in from someone. Um, they've asked, they ask, do you have any stories or examples of a youth group successfully engaging in, successfully engaging their wider church in these issues? Yes, yes, I've got loads. Um, uh, I could tell you about, um, but I don't have permission to say names. So, oh, I need to get permission, right? Um, a 17 year old who was particularly like, he was really on it. He clearly had listened really carefully in school when they were talking about it. Um, and he really cared about climate and really cared about creation. And so he joined his PCC of his church in order to influence about creation care. And that church, I mean, he obviously did that with the support of his youth group and like the youth group are doing stuff. And so the youth group committed to, while he was on PCC, because they served for a year, um, while he was on PCC, they would do things like petitions and fundraisers and they'd wash up mugs so that the church didn't have to use uh, paper cups and things like that. Um, so that they, essentially earned the right for this boy on PCC to go, we would like you to switch to green electricity and move away from investing in fossil fuels with your savings. You're 17. I did not even know what that meant when I was 17. No way. Um, and the church did. They switched to green electricity and they're in the process of working out how to switch their savings from to a bank that doesn't invest in terrible climate crisis stuff. Um, so I can tell you that and that, I mean, when you ask for the good stories, you're going to get my great stories, but I can also tell you stories just to be really honest of another young person, a girl who went to their church and they just said no to everything. Um, and so I don't want to paint you a picture that says it's always all going to be amazing. But when it is great, it's really, really great, not just for the church but also for the young people in that youth group to know that their influence created for them an equitable space in leadership of the church. That's massive. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's really good to have those, those stories of when it doesn't always go amazingly <laughs> as well, because you're right, this is, this is real life. And, and yeah. so, yeah, thank you for sharing both of those. But we also like, learn, we also learn so much from what doesn't go right. And we do that all the time as youth workers with our young people, don't we? When something doesn't go how they wanted it to, mm. you actually learn more in those moments about resilience and persistence and keeping on keeping on with something that you believe the Lord has called you to. I mean, if, 
if your leaders are like, the Lord has not called you to that, obviously listen to your leadership. But <laughs> um, I think it, don't, please don't be frightened off from doing something that influences your church, just in case they say no. Young people are more resilient than we think they are. They can handle no if they have you. That's brilliant. Thank you, Dot. Had another question come in as well about how can we hear from voices who who aren't represented in our congregations but are affected by climate change? It's like a dream of a question. Um, <laughs> so, um, a couple of ways. So um, I'm so sorry. This sounds like I'm going to like toot my own horn. I'm really sorry. Um, but we work really hard to do YouTube videos from people in countries that are affected the most. What we're looking to do in the future, so this question actually has given me a renewed sense of, I'm going to actually make sure we do this. Um, just some really gritty YouTube videos where young people in places like Haiti and Malawi have filmed themselves, just saying what it's like to live in their area. So you have given me renewed vision to uh, make sure we do that. Um, yeah, so I, I direct us to the YouTube channel, but also there'll be loads of stuff that you hear about through the news. And as with all things that we do as youth leaders, it's taking something that feels big and feels like it's written for adults and going, how do I help my group? Understanding where they're at, understand that story. Hmm. That's good, thank you. We, um, one of the things that we do as mothers, like I say, we, we strengthen the church to meet the needs of the vulnerable. And one of the things we do is we have 220 partners around the world who are, yeah, kind of engaging with, with the poorest of the poor and, and meeting needs of vulnerable people in their context. And what we are still finding from some people saying is obviously the, the focus has unquestionably been coronavirus support for mm -hmm you know, healthcare um, and um, yeah, support for kind of education and food parcels and what have you. But um, what's been really helpful for us as well is we have had still our partners come back and saying, don't forget climate change. And, and what's really stark about that from, for me at least is that with everything that's going on, it's still a priority for people who are gonna be you know, more disproportionately affected than some other places in the world. Um, yeah, which just Absolutely. blows my mind. And I think that's the thing with the pandemic is the pandemic has, and rightfully, um, become the thing that every, it's almost as if we can't get round it. It's been like this wall that comes up, but actually it's not been a wall. It has been a magnifying glass to issues that have already existed, that have existed for a really long time. And more than a magnifying glass, they have exacerbated problems that already exist. So things like, um, I believe it's no coincidence that at the same time as we have had COVID, we have also seen a massive uprising in a conversation about racial justice. We've seen a massive uprising about the conversation about climate because being in a global pandemic has exacerbated injustices that already existed. And we can no longer say, it's a William Wilberforce quote, isn't it? Now that you have heard, you cannot pretend you didn't know. And the, the pandemic has done that. It has gone, we live in an interconnected world. You can no longer deny that because something that started in a village town on the other side of the world has made me stay in my house for 17 weeks. <laughs> Likewise, something that happens here in our factories, in our way of life, means that Jessie is a grandmother in Malawi and can no longer 
feed her children because the, the land does not do what it did before. Another question's come in because you mentioned about, you know, uh, that young people are um, hearing about climate change and climate action in schools um, and, you know, church is in danger of being a, a bit behind. So what does it look like to engage with schools work then, <clears throat> excuse me, um, on this issue, um, rather than it being too compartmentalised or even more than that, compartmentalised areas of work, how can we engage with what schools are doing in a helpful way? Yes, this is great. Um, so I think it is a really interesting door opening possibility for getting into local schools because teachers feel a bit like how we feel about the climate crisis. They've got a syllabus and they teach it. And most of the teachers that I speak to go, I just teach what's written on the page because within the because it's mostly done in either science or PHSE and they have got such a lot to cover. They can't be experts on everything. And so I wonder if there's actually a really invitational approach to schools, potentially not during a pandemic, you'll have to wait till June 22nd, but to say, um, I'm not an expert, but I would love to come in and talk to the, talk to, when you do your series about the climate crisis, I would love to come in and talk about this from a Christian perspective and from a faith perspective. Ah, how great would that be? You'd literally be in school talking to young people about it. Um, and then I think for your youth groups, I wonder if it comes down to that strategy we talked about earlier, is whether you find out when in the year that syllabus is happening and you plan your youth group sessions to talk, to be interconnected with what they're learning in school. And I think we often don't do that as much as we should and we miss opportunities because they're hearing about the climate crisis in school in October and then we might do a session about it in February but that's really disconnected in the mind of a young person. A lot happens in that time. Instead, what if, because they're doing it in school in October, we also do it in October. And in February, they're doing a whole month on mental health and we also do. Anyway, but I do think that there is a door opening potential with the conversation about climate. Fantastic. And I'm all, yeah, I'm all for engaging with schools work. Love a bit of schools work, that's so good. That's so good, thank you. Good tips there. And my final question, is there anything that I should have asked you that I haven't? Is there anything <laughs> else that you'd, you'd like to share, that any wisdom you can give us um, before we wrap up? I don't know. Um, I don't know if there's any wisdom. I, I think the thing I would love to say is thank you for what you have done this year. Um, thank you for being committed to young people and I think often youth work, a lot of it goes unseen and a lot of your work goes unthanked. So with the little <laughs> influence I have, just thank you because what you do makes a difference. Young people will be making change today and creating systemic change tomorrow because you have helped them love Jesus. Brilliant. What a great note to end on. Thank you so much for the encouragement. That's great. Dot, would you mind praying for us just as we as we wrap up? Um, I would love to. Thank you. Yes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everybody on this call. I thank you for everybody um, that is part of this community. God, I thank you for the calling you have put on our lives to care about young people. It is a privilege that we carry knowing the honour it is to do what we do. And God, I pray for all of us, Lord Jesus, that you would... Um, grow our faith 
grow our understanding of what it means to be global citizens in 2021 in the very strange uh, context we find ourselves in. Lord, I pray that as we work out what this means for our youth groups and how we talk to our youth groups about the climate crisis and your invitation to be caretakers of creation, give us wisdom, give us insights, give us um, ways to say yes to the ideas of young people. Um, and Lord Jesus, I pray that we would not do this in our strength because we will not have enough. Um, I pray that we would do this in the strength and the power of your word and your Holy Spirit. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Oh,